Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> One day later than usual. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I'm a little cranky. Are you? I think. A little bit. We're going to get spicy, Ben, today? I don't think so overall. Okay. I'm just going to complain about one thing. Okay. All right. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> what grinds your gears? Low effort Twitter jokes. Hmm. There's some point at which you get a, enough followers that like every one of your tweets gets a really lame low effort joke. <laughs> yeah. The problems of being popular on Twitter. I'm just, I'm just over it. I've decided... Low effort Twitter jokes are now receiving mutes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not not blocks, but yeah. but you're getting muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's understandable. You don't want to be mildly annoyed all the time, you know. And you know it's it's tricky because like it's kind of mood dependent, and also it's just like how good is your joke? Like because like good Twitter jokes are great. It makes the experience nice and better. But if you just dash off the first stupid thing that came to your head, I just, I'm just not going <laughs> to listen to you anymore. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, do you have one in particular you want to call out or is it just... No, no, no. no. Okay. That's, okay. That's okay. All right. All right. I don't need to whip the mob into a frenzy. But just maybe a public service announcement for people out there. It's like, maybe just like don't make that first joke that comes to you, particularly if the person has a bunch of followers or it's a popular thread. I, I've even seen people make the same joke multiple times in the same thread mm-hmm. it's like uh, yeah yeah lazy tweeting lazy tweeting let's just let's just be better mm-hmm. anyway that. that's enough whining about social media <laughs> okay. for sure um let's talk about hacker news oh good <laughs> my single sign-on post got onto hacker news i saw the, that the front page yeah yeah so i imagine there was a mix of good and bad there was a mix of good and bad. Yeah, it was, I think, mostly okay. I, th- I mean, of course, like most of the threads were like people arguing about stuff that was kind of related. You know, like it, Hacker News will be like, oh, what, what really should happen is X. And someone's like, no, that's not technically the same as Y, as that. And like, then there's like this really deep, long comment thread. <laughs> um, oh, hackers. Yeah, so the, there was some of that, which is fine. Yeah. But I would say overall, the... It seemed like people kind of more or less agreed with the take, which is not shocking because it's it's clearly a, a it's like a it's the nerd take, it's the developer take on the thing. The strongest pushback was people saying, "Well, yeah, but SSO lets you segment people into price sensitive versus not price sensitive, and that lets you subsidize free or cheap plans by charging more money to people that have more money." And I honestly don't. I mean, like that's like sure that that is true. But I also just sort of don't think that's like a very good argument or like a very good thing. I mean, I think it it makes sense in theory that one should probably have certain triggers that puts an enterprise customer into a different category. Like that in general, I think makes sense. So then it seems like the debate becomes, is this the proper proxy for that? I think I tend to agree with your take that like making security one of those proxies is probably not optimal right yeah yeah and it was weird because people were pushing back on it like the the most upvoted comment is basically making that thing he's saying people who demand sso are essentially flying business class and paying for the back of the plane it's like okay yes we can subsidize our our more price sensitive customers by charging the other ones more but yeah like why is that trigger worse security 
that was my point. I felt like I feel like I feel like the point almost didn't get engaged with to some extent, where people are like, no, 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 this works for this reason and has these benefits. It's like, well, no, no, I know, and like we did this. Like, I, I get it. Like, we're not perfect, but I'm trying to say like I think the world could be better, and we're trying to make it a little bit better. And hopefully, you will join us. And there wasn't a lot of engagement with that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine there's like I saw some of the Twitter conversation around this too, and. I suspect there's a little bit of defensiveness that people people get into a defensive posture when they feel like potentially something that they would do or are doing is being attacked as like immoral or something. And I guess like if you're not reading it carefully to understand that like this is something that you did and you've chosen a different posture, but you're not necessarily like deeply criticizing people who do do it you're just proposing an alternative you know but i think but i think people can sometimes get locked into this kind of defensive posture where it's like um you know they feel like they're being being talked down to or something um mm-hmm. so yeah i did have the experience of someone arguing with me on twitter <laughs> and i realized this person has not read the article <laughs> it was just very Whoops. obvious it's like ah oh, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard about this and now i'm experiencing it yeah yeah does happen yeah fortunately that was actually the second biggest marketing success of the week mm-hmm. yeah i saw your other uh your other initiative go live yeah so we launched our first marketing experiment powered by uh debt <laughs> from <Stratt laughs> powered Capital. by debt, I like powered by debt. <laughs> so the first thing is that we're doing is we are sending three open source maintainers and their plus ones on an all expenses paid vacation and so we made a site where you can go and you can nominate people and you can also then search the nominate the nominees and vote for them after you auth with github to prevent multiple voting and so we launched this on wednesday it's friday now um it's been kind of a crazy success there have been something like 20 tweets an hour about this thing since we launched it so we added this this loop basically where you can go and you vote on people and then we give you like if you want after you vote you can say like you can share your vote with twitter and a ton of people are taking us up on that and saying like i just voted for x y and z to send them on vacation Um, which sort of makes sense because if you like somebody you might want to help get have them get more votes so there's sort of a a, a reason to share it Um, and aaron did these like this really cool thing of having custom images for like the twitter cards based on who you voted for and so it so looks smart. really slick yeah i mean clearly this is like a twitter native campaign and uh yeah. you guys went really you know it's adam wavin level of detail that you guys paid Ooh, to this I wow think. <laughs> that is high praise yeah oh my goodness yeah yeah i mean adam was like this is a good campaign man which from adam means you crushed it. Yeah. Yep. I know. <laughs> Good is, you know, that's that's like the highest praise. Mm-hmm, totally. Uh, so I was feeling pretty, pretty stoked about that. So it really has just been like rolling since we launched it, like pretty solidly. The, the, the sort of virality through the Twitter thing is working really well every so often. Like there's a lot of like smaller accounts tweeting things. And then every so often someone will get nominated with a huge following. And they go, oh, that's cool. And they'll share it with their followers. That then triggers a bunch more votes. Like it's, it's, it's working really well. Um, I have, I do have some stats here, which is that, yeah, we've had about 9,000 votes so far. Actually, 3,000 3, 3, people have voted. The page has been seen by about 9,000 people. And yeah, it's about 20 tweets an hour, kind of around the clock since we, since we launched it. Like if you go look at the tuple.app, like, like Twitter search live, it's just like, it's pretty, 
it's pretty constant driving awareness yeah uh new trials have done nothing interesting <laughs> yeah yeah they're totally normal huh. um so yeah <laughs> That's yeah i mean it's this is brand this is brand marketing right this is this is like I mean, getting people exposed. I mean, hopefully there's people who have never heard of Tuple before that are seeing this, right? Like that's kind of the Gotta be. kind of the goal. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, maybe they'll file that in their mental filing cabinet. And then the next five, you know, after five more touches with the brand, then they'll eventually like, you know, when they have a need, sign up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally believe in the power of this, like eventually helping us, mm-hmm. even if I don't see it immediately in the, in the metrics. And like, I wouldn't really expect to see a bunch of new trials right away. Yeah. So these are not people coming from like a paid marketing campaign where we you know, targeted ideal customers who are like searching for pair programming tools or something. So total brand play as opposed to performance marketing. I mean, it'd be nice to see a bump in trials. And, and I think we will. Like I said this on Twitter, but I think July will probably be a good month for us. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times there's a bit of a lag here. Where people do kind of like throw throw they throw the link in their engineering Slack and say, "Hey, should we maybe try this?" And like, "Oh yeah, maybe on Monday I'll spin up an account and we'll give it a shot or something." Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have a do you have a sense for like? I mean, has Aaron planned this out at all on how how you're going to determine whether these marketing experiments were successes? Like, that's really tricky with brand plays, right? <laughs> like, it is really tricky. I would call this a success already. Like, it's getting this many people to see our website and to bump into tuple and to have that first exposure that's awesome like is it worth the 30 grand we're going to spend to send people on vacation eh, really hard to tell <laughs> like like super hard to tell our lifetime value is high enough it's in the thousands that it wouldn't take many new customers to pay it off directly I would like to do some performance marketing where we try the sort of like very direct thing. And I think that's hint going to be one of the experiments we run. I don't feel super worried about proving that the thing we did, you know, had strong ROI directly for like a thing like this. I just, I, I believe sort of in like the thought bot marketing model, just like if we just put a lot of good content out constantly, like it's going to work out for us. And it does work, right? Like generally it does work. That's that's a whole, you know, playbook that companies use. It's just it is frustrating that it's like basically impossible to correlate or measure, but that's just the nature of it, right? Like we do ask people at sign up now how they heard about us. So we have the ability to perhaps link some signups to this campaign. But like I'm I'm honestly just I'm happy already. Like if we if we could do a few of these per year, like I just don't. I just believe in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heart-based marketing. Heart marketing. Uh, yeah. That like this is going to work for us in the long term. Like that. Like it's it's going to be worth it. There's interesting knock-on effects where it's like maybe our customers hear about us again through this and are reminded like, oh, I haven't used Tuple in a little bit. Let me check that out. Or maybe like developers don't sign up to to like be customers, but they're like, oh, wow, that company is cool. Like Tuple's Tuple's doing interesting things. Like I should like if we post a job application, maybe they they remember us and they come apply when they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, there is a benefit to just that like positive perceptions that this generates, and it was I think what's makes this so savvy is like you know you're you're both getting the word out about your company, but you're also doing something nice for people in the community, and there's like a philanthropic aspect to it 
also, you know, and, and that you can't help, but like get good, um, good vibes from people <laughs> for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And it feels good. Yeah. It's fun to not just like give that money to Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. I saw someone comment on your, one of your tweets and they basically said like, this is absurdly good marketing or something like that. And I'm, and that got me thinking last night, I was just like sitting around just thinking about Savvy Cal and I was like, what could we be doing where people would have that response and say, this is absurdly good, you know, like that. I feel like that's the bar. And uh, so yeah. I do feel a little bit inspired. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally what I was going for. And I was talking to Aaron about this the other day and it's like, like the SSO thing is a good example. If we were optimizing purely for money, we should put SSO in the enterprise plan. But we are far enough along that we don't have to optimize. Like we're not going to, the company won't fold. We can achieve the things we want to achieve without chasing every dollar. And to me, one of the, like, that's an awesome freedom. It's a wonderful place to be. And it's an opportunity to do stuff that we feel great about. There are marketing approaches that probably work and like would probably increase the number of trials we get, but we don't have to do them if we don't like them. Like, like I want to like, I want to feel proud of all the things we're doing and excited about them and like try to set a pretty high quality bar on all the things. And so it's like, even if doing some sort of less cool marketing thing would drive some more trials, we don't have to do that. And, and I feel awesome. Like I feel very proud of this campaign. I, I'm like, I feel good about the thing we're doing. Like I want to do things like this and just sort of trust in the karma eventually flowing back to the business. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if it doesn't really directly like, you know, die knowing I did marketing campaigns I was proud of and could stand behind and like was like, that was cool. That wasn't just to like try to make some more money. Yeah. 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 That's nice to have that. If you're, if you're going to take a bet like this, it's nice to have that extra, the extra thing that makes it worth it. Totally. Plus like this is making good content or like good, like video basically for the video that we're making mm-hmm. <laughs> for the meta, the so, meta marketing. The, yeah. The, the meta marketing <laughs> is still, still running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So. That's cool too. That's awesome. So even if we have a flop, it still could just make it more fun and dramatic. Right. right? Then it's, then it's content. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Still repurpose it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. How are things with you? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Still deep in that, in that infrastructure migration work that I talked about last time. It's just, it's, it's interesting how that's such a different headspace than working on product stuff. It actually makes my head hurt, <laughs> like working on that, because it's so like wading in more into DevOpsy type of territory where there's just like, I, I feel like I have to hold a lot more things in my head at once as I'm like writing up a migration plan and testing out like, you know, dumping our production database into a different service and following a 10 point like plan and like troubleshooting each step. And I don't know, it's just a completely different kind of work, but but fulfilling nonetheless to like kind of take a very gradual, gradual approach to this and feel increasingly confident in like the new hosting platform and learning all its little quirks and getting instrumentation set up and observability and all the graphs and all the things. So it feels like, feels like we're doing this the right way, but it's just kind of a, kind of a slow march. But I'm happy to say that we're like, like Savvy Cal is hundred percent running on fly at the moment. I have a load balancer set up so I can funnel traffic back over to Heroku if I need to. 
but I've been like gradually turning the dials and then we've been on a hundred percent for a couple of days now. And, um, wow, nice. Yeah. seems to be, seems to be running smoothly. Like response times appear to be faster overall. Um, it's always like tricky to know exactly how it's performing across the entire world. <laughs> but, um, uh, but from every indicator I can see it's, uh, we're getting increased performance and yeah, like just a whole bunch of things about our deployment pipeline feel a lot smoother now. So I'm feeling that's awesome. And that's like, like it should be faster, right? Cause they're distributing it across the edge. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm not even leveraging all of that right now, to be honest, because I'm trying to keep the servers as close to the database as possible. And the database is not globally distributed right now. So we're kind of in one region, but I think even with that, they're on flies doing some, some fancy things with their, their VMs. And like, I think they're just, they're squeezing extra performance out of the way that they even just host their virtual servers. So there's probably even more performance we can squeeze out of it once we start doing more uh, distributed app servers and some like distributed read replicas of the database and stuff. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we, we've been thinking about possibly making a similar move. Mm-hmm. So be curious to hear how that goes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now it's been, it's been good. And while I've been working on this, I decided to pick off a project that's been on my, it's been on the roadmap for a while. It's building these little um, custom open graph images, <laughs> similar to what Aaron did for your guys' project <laughs> for, for booking pages. So when people send a booking link, the little preview shows like their face and the name of the link and, and the times and all that kind of stuff. So I've been wanting to do this for a while because right now, b- before this, we would just show your avatar if we had one. But in, in a lot of different places, it would just turn out to be like a giant headshot. And people would be like, ah, <laughs> like it was kind of jarring to see. And it's just like when people share, share these things, you know, on social, like I want it to look really, really nice. I remember when GitHub launched their custom open graph images for repositories. And like every time I come across a GitHub repository on Twitter, it's like, ooh, this looks nice, you know? So I want that same, that same kind of, uh, same kind of effect. And also just across, you know, blog posts and every page on the website, I want it to have a nice, a nice custom um, preview card. So I kind of took this as an opportunity to um, to learn a bit more about about Fly and about deploying Elixir applications there. And I just like spun up a separate app to do this and copied heavily from Vercel's repository. They have like an open graph image generator thing that's built in JavaScript and Next.js. And so I harvested some of the techniques they use there, but put it into an Elixir application. And I think I might actually open source this thing. I haven't done much open source work lately, but it's always fun to put something out there for free and, you know, just add value to the world like that. And I don't know if it'll, you know, directly benefit Savvy Cal, but it'll certainly be sponsored by Savvy Cal. So, <laughs> you know. Well, if you do, you, you're going to become eligible for a vacation nomination. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll be curious to see how you did this. I, I talked to Aaron a little bit about how we were doing it and it's it sounded a little crazy. Uh, I think like we're like spinning up puppeteer and like mm-hmm. taking a screenshot of a web page and like it's Yes. That's exactly what we're doing. We're actually okay. Yeah, we're actually um so it, it's an Elixir application, but there's some integration testing frameworks for um Elixir Phoenix that use like headless Chrome, some kind of like Chrome driver thing in the background and i tried that first and i just struggled for a couple hours and couldn't really get it to work how i wanted it to so then i looked at how vercel was doing it and they were just using puppeteer which is a i think that's just a node application 
And, and then I was like, I wonder if I could call a node application from Elixir. And sure enough, there was like a library that gives you like a pool of processes that you can use to shell out to node and pass data over. So it's sort of like a foreign function call, but like not native. You're still like, I think making ultimately like a low level process call, but I was like, oh, what the heck, let's just try it. And it seems to be working pretty well. Since I'm deploying on fly, like it, even if like there end up, ends up being too much load on on a particular server, I can just like scale it up or down automatically really easily. So you and Aaron were so obsessed with whether or not you could. <laughs> you never thought to question <laughs> if we should. you should. That's probably true. And yet here we are. Oh, man, it's madness. Yeah. But hey, I mean, yeah. There's just something magical about like an API, like you hit a, hit a URL and you get an image back. Like it's just fun. That is cool. <laughs> it's just really fun. It's um, cool. Yeah. It's been fun to like hack on this little thing. I wanted to be able to like style these with Tailwind and preview them in the browser and design in the browser how I like to. I didn't want to use Sketch or one of those other tools. So like I built it up specifically all around that. So it's got Tailwind baked in. You can can preview what it's going to look like in the browser and then you swap out the url for image instead of preview and then it just gives you back a png and it's it's pretty slick nice yeah it's cool well it's funny that we both went down this path the same week yeah i know i know it's funny that image thing was kind of a nice example of i think i didn't quite realize but like once we did it it felt really great it was like it's not crazy to do, to do this sort of marketing campaign but we went kind of a little extra on it. Like it's like, yeah, we, like writing a bunch of custom code to generate these images for just so the Twitter preview looks nice when it, you tweet it is like kind of crazy, but it feels good to me. Take a normal-ish marketing campaign and then layer on a little more code than you would think is reasonable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. You know, emphasizing quality over quantity. If we do overall fewer things, but put more attention into them, I think that's probably better than like a high volume that's like sub like like subpar or just mediocre. Exactly. That's that's how I feel too. And I, I talked to Hugo when we were working on the design for the page. And I, I think the, the landing page for this turned out really nicely. We're trying to make something remarkable, like something people want to share with people and want to talk about. And so it's worth more polish and more creative little details than than normal. And so like, I, I was encouraging him to go like a, a little bit further and a little bit, a little bit nuts on the design. That's awesome. That's, that's where I'd rather have us spend our time than like, let's crank out a bunch of, you know, ad images for a bunch of campaigns. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Anything else going on? The funnel experiment is still in play, you know, moving to the credit cardless trial, still waiting for more data co- to come in, but it's like kind of, kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on. Like I kind of wish I would have had more tracking set up so I could easily look at like the segment, the cohort of people who are on the old, old funnel, like what percentage of those people activated at what rate versus trials coming in through right now. And so there's just like a bunch of analysis like that, that I'm going to try to cobble together to get a sense for like, is this working well or not? And I think I'm just going to have to resort to like building some raw SQL reports (laughs) against production data to try to try to get a sense for that. But uh, it's such a tricky thing that it's I have I have this thought sometimes too around our analytics like oh I wish it were easier for me to see X or do this or I wish we'd been tracking this since the beginning and it's surprisingly complicated to consistently have the metrics you want. It is because it's like you need to see change data all the time is really what you need like 
Because right now I can I can say like give me give me back all the people who started a trial or who had a subscription started in this month. But like I don't have a full audit trail of like all the state transitions that their subscription went through. So I'm just like there's just data that's missing from my database right now, unless I was tracking every single like state change that occurred. Maybe there are analytics platforms out there that'll kind of like automatically do that for you. I don't know. I mean, that's a, it's a lot of data <laughs> to actually like have that entire, that entire set of changes warehoused somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm feeling like I need mm, to get yeah. answers around this. We're, we're starting to, we're, we're taking some steps down that path. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like doing our, like not rolling our own analytics exactly, but like mm-hmm. we're working our way towards that. Yeah. I'm curious to see what you uh, what what pieces of tech you end up picking for that, or do you have it solidified at this point? I don't think it is solidified yet. Like we, there's a lot of kinds of we realize there's like there's like there's a bunch of different kinds of analytics data we're interested in. There's like product usage data, like what features are being used. There's like financial metrics, like SaaS metrics. There's also like uh, we generate a bunch of data about calls while people are on them that we want to associate with customers and be able to diagnose issues. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's like, you know, it'd be great to know, okay, for people, people that rated their calls on average a three out of five, what's their churn rate? Like how much, how much money are we losing due to low quality calls? What were the issues that were reported on those calls? And like, what did the data look like? And so what was actually wrong with them? There's a whole lot of things that if you could answer all the questions would be great, great to know. But in, like getting getting answers to those is pretty tricky. It feels like a lot of work to get this stuff in place. I could probably pull away from product development work and just like work on that for a month. But it's like that feels like a huge investment, and maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? we're planning a pretty substantial like chunk of time to pour into this thing, and it's not the first time we've done that. And, and like analytics is a, is a pretty consistent like telemetry is kind of a pretty consistent like drag or not drag, but like thing you have to put effort into like, Oh, we have a new feature. So we need to like figure out what the events are and where those go. And Ooh, and in this weird edge case, we're not sending the right events. Like, can, can someone look into this? Like it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's like almost a, it's like a half product practically. And maybe you don't need it. Like you can do okay without a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Cause I can imagine kind some, of. some of these reports you just like would, spend all this time working on getting it set up and then you look at it and you're like, cool, okay. <laughs> and then you don't necessarily right. take action on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, there's our retention curve. Okay. Well, I still want to build the, the same things I was going to build already. Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. I still think those are the most important things to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that will make these numbers go in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely tend to be more of a field driven kind of person anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should correct that. I don't know. Seems to be working. Hard to say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I could use like a, a someone who's kind of a foil to me, mm-hmm. like another person involved with the product roadmap or sort of decision making who is like really metrics driven. Yeah, yeah, that might be a nice additional voice to have in the room where you guys, you know, have a planning session. You bring your you bring your heart into the room, and they bring the data, <laughs> and then you yes, <laughs> exactly you merge them together. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that seems be, good. That'd be cool. I think that's the conclusion I've come to around like f- filling gaps or just like. like getting a different perspective on things rather than try to train it in myself is like find a person who is that get them in the room. Yeah. I mean, there, there do exist people with different personalities, different like things that they're focused on and care more about. 
I could totally see a consulting company that does this stuff. I think if you've seen enough of these setups and done it enough times, you can probably at least like standardize on a handful of tools and processes that tend to work and best practices where it would be cool. Like you could come in and say like, we're going to, we're going to get you, we're going to get you analytics affied. Yeah. I know that there do exist agencies like this. I don't know if they're this specialized specifically for, you know, SaaS products looking to get all these different types of metrics. But I think Corey has brought up a couple different people in the past of like, if we wanted to get like marketing site analytics stuff dialed in, like, like just go crazy on a Google analytics account or something, then there, there are agencies that have like a standardized playbook that they can apply. Yep. That makes sense. I remember someone on Twitter telling me that, that he worked for like a sort of a full service marketing agency where they would do content marketing for you. And he, they often found that like the most valuable thing they did for their customers was just getting their analytics yeah, in order. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an option, you know, shopping that around as opposed to trying to DIY it. That's true. That is true. Maybe, yeah, that might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We've definitely talked to some vendors, but I'm thinking less like, you know, vendor and more full service. Yeah. Or like, you know, yep. more helpful than that. Yep. This feels very enterprisey. This is going to be some call us for pricing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Situation. Oh, yeah. For sure. And if we need SSO, it's going to cost us a lot. <laughs> Just 10x it. Yeah, totally. So you want to talk about the summer? Yeah, let's talk about the summer. What, what, what are you doing this summer? Well, I am planning on taking a break this summer. Taking a break from the podcast. A little sabbatical? A little sabbatical. Yeah, it's something I've been thinking about for a little while. I think I mentioned it here that the spring was sort of just a stressful season of life for me. So just outside of outside of work, just personal life stuff. And so that definitely drew a lot of energy out of me. And I feel like I'm coming out on the other side of that and like needing to really take a hard look at everything in my life and trying to like make sure I get enough rest so that I don't get burned out. You know, I've managed to mostly avoid burnout for a couple of years now and I really don't want to <laughs> really don't want to find myself in that place. So I'm trying to be trying to be a bit proactive about it. I will say like, you know, I've I've enjoyed this podcast. It has felt like the last couple months in particular, it has felt a, li- a bit more like work. Like I've been struggling to struggling to feel like I'm doing it well, like I'm bringing my best to it and and like having, you know, helpful, useful updates. <laughs> so I've just been kind of paying attention to that and realize like, I think I I think I want to try freeing up this this time slot in my week and you know, just giving myself more, more space to spend more time on the bike and quietly get my Savvy Cal work done and then try to like have good rhythms and unwind and recharge and all of that. So that's sort of the motivation behind it. It's nothing personal, Ben. It's nothing personal. <laughs> there are tears rolling down my face. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So we chatted about this previously. You're thinking like September-ish would probably be when you would want to consider coming back yeah i think that i think that makes sense you know give it give it a solid couple of months and reevaluate at that point yeah yeah what do you think the chances are that you're like eh i think i'm good actually it's been nice not podcasting (laughs) i don't i don't know to be honest because like i said there there are a lot of pieces about this that i've really enjoyed like i i like i like the element of like digesting like like just the the going through the process of thinking about what happened in the last week is often a helpful exercise for me And so I think that's a piece that 
I could see missing for sure. I think that it's not in my nature to just be like a someone who just likes to hear myself talk, I guess. <laughs> like like that's not that's not something that I that's not a quality in myself that I recognize. So I think that piece of it always feels a little bit more like work for me as opposed to you know other people who do podcasts, I hear them say like that piece is that piece is is super easy. And for me it doesn't feel super easy. It feels like okay, I got to really, you know, I have to really put energy into this to make it feel like I'm I'm doing well at it. And so that part I could see feeling like yeah, I'm kind of glad I don't have to put energy into that, I guess. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, hard to say. Yeah. Okay. Is there any extent like if Savvy Cal were like growing three times as fast, let's say, do you think that would make you like do you think that would have any impact on your podcast excitement or are those those two not really connected? I think it was easier to podcast when in the earlier days of Savvy Cal or just of any company where there's just more I guess like more greenfield stuff going on. I feel like now it's kind of in the, all right, let's just, let's keep incrementally improving, building and growing this thing. And to me, that feels a little bit less interesting for radio, or I just struggle with it more. Maybe it's not less interesting inherently, but I think I struggle more with, with trying to make it interesting, I guess. Um, And so I think if it was growing even faster, I'd be all the more like, like, yeah, I really don't have time to get on a mic and talk about this. Like, I just got to stay focused on on what's going on. I think that's something that I know Rob has talked about that, too. And we were like, like in the really solid growth years for Drip, like even doing startups for the rest of us for him, I think was was tricky. And the only part, the only reason it wasn't so tricky is because they were talking about like specific topics and they they had an outline and they could go through it. But like, I think it would have been really difficult to like report on the day to day of growing drip when it was, when it was getting really, really hectic, I guess. So, yeah. Do you think you'll still listen to it? I think so. Yeah. I go up and down on podcast consumption in general. I'm way behind on all the other bootstrapper podcasts right now. I might actually take a little break from, from just listening to any podcast. Cause I've sort of already been on that, on that path where like these days, if I'm, you know, if I'm winding down at the end of the day, maybe I used to throw on a podcast and kind of stay in the headspace of business or whatever. And lately I've just been like throwing on music and pouring a glass of wine and cooking. <laughs> so like, so I, I don't know, I might be just more generally taking a step back from podcast listening, but, but that usually goes in seasons for me. Okay. So I probably have a few weeks where I can talk trash about you. Probably. We... I mean, but it may get okay. back to me. So just be careful. That's true. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I will miss you. Uh, so we should we should schedule some chats, irregardless. Um, and we won't record them. We'll talk about all kinds of spicy stuff. But I'm planning on continuing to record. So I have already been reaching out to uh, past guests that we know and love, and possibly some future people. I have some ideas. So my my hope is to continue pretty pretty much at the same cadence. I think, which is like mostly weekly, except for you know, some blips, hopefully come September, you will be like, I miss podcasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come on back. Nice. Well, yeah, I appreciate your, your flexibility and your willingness to just, uh, just keep rolling with it and, uh, definitely look forward to seeing, uh, seeing what you put out in the next couple of months. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I remember I had to push you a little bit to start the pod. You did. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it took, mm-hmm. took two tries, mm-hmm. but here we are 200 213 episodes later so 
once you got rolling, you rolled you rolled pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there were even, and there were like probably like there were a bunch of giant robots episodes in there too. So we've, we've probably done 300 podcasts at this I point. I think so. Yep. Something like yeah. that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like six years. <laughs> it's been quite a run. And I, when we were talking about this initially, you were like, yeah, we really haven't taken a break in like that entire time. And it is like, true. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it did make me stop and think. We're like, do I want a podcast break? I do still feel that thing kind of where it doesn't really feel like work to me. I'm not feeling burnt out. So like I'm, I, I'm going to try continuing for a bit with these other co-hosts and see how that goes. I might consider a break at some point. Maybe, maybe I'll take August off um, and just see if, or I'll, I'll see if that sounds good to me at, the, at that point. Because it has been, has been a lot of weeks. I don't even know what it's like to not record a podcast. Right. Right. So, but we know there are a lot of voracious listeners out there who uh, can't get enough of of the content. So. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they would appreciate I mean, they're gonna you. They're going to tell you you're rolling. crazy that you're, it's still interesting and it's fascinating and don't worry about it. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try the experiment and see what happens. Cool. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, enjoy your time off. Thank I'm you. Excited. I'm excited for you. Yep. And I'm, folks I'm, can... I think it's awesome that you are proactively doing this thing too. That yeah. seems like super healthy to me. Yeah. Thank you. Like not waiting till you're like, I never want to podcast again. Mm-hmm. I am like, yeah, I hate this thing. Like that I think is super smart. Um, I think it gives you the best chance to like keep it as a sustainable habit or decide you don't like it or it's not worth it or whatever. Um, but but doing it now I think is is awesome. And like you're, you're setting a great example. Mm, good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, shall we wrap it? Well, let's wrap it. All right. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.